Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Productivity for Perfectionists, how to stop procrastinating, quiet your inner critic, and finally get it done. I'm your host, Deborah Hurwitz, and today I'm just going to go ahead and say this is my favorite person on the whole summit. I'm so excited to welcome Derek Sivers to the session. Hello, Derek. How are you? Thanks, Deborah. Yeah, Deborah and I have been emailing for like 20 years, literally, no exaggeration. That, that would make me have been a toddler when I started. By yeah, all means. Yes, exactly. no, it's been a crazy amount of time. You guys, you already know who this man is, but just super quickly, Derek is a musician, producer, circus performer, entrepreneur, TED speaker, and book publisher, among other things. I know him as the founder of CD Baby and Host Baby, a company that he grew from nothing to a behemoth in the industry that just before we started recording, we were talking about it was like the way for artists to get their music out there at a time when the playing field was still super new wild west level pioneering and Derek made it easy and a happy place for artists to get their music out online he identifies himself as a monomaniac I want to know more about that introvert slow thinker and love finding a different point of view a California native now living in Oxford England with a fire behind him perfect and Derek replies personally to every email we're going to ask how he manages to do that and do anything else at all. So Derek, we have so much to talk about right now. Right away, I want to jump into the promises of the summit because it's so important to me when I'm talking to my experts to make sure that we're really letting people know, how do you stop procrastinating, quiet the inner critic, finally get it done. So with regards to procrastination, I just found this fun little, uh, a little quote on your website that I want to ask you about to lead into this question. It says, about 10 times a day as I'm writing, because you're working on a new book now, I think of an idea that would make a good standalone article. But instead of stopping to blog, I keep working on the book. Got to finish, got to finish. So one of the things that comes up, especially for artists, creatives, big idea people, is we're like, idea, virtually object, squirrel, and boom, and we're not doing the thing that is the tough thing, that is the sit your ass in chair and keep going thing. How do you do that? <laughs> okay, I actually just yesterday saw an interesting bit of advice that said that you should actually act on the ideas you get when you first have them because that's when they're most exciting to you. Mm -hmm. And they said if you put an, an idea aside, it's like putting a piece of chewing gum aside. It's like you're, you're never going to want to come back to that. Like it's never as good as it is right now in the moment that you have it. That's when it tastes best. Uh-huh. So maybe there's, um, you have to decide what phase you're in. Like for example, there's another metaphor I want to make, which is the movie from, I don't know, 25 years ago uh, called Basquiat. Oh, yeah. About the painter Jean-Michel Basquiat. And I love the scene where he's in his studio painting. And what he did is he would set up like eight canvases that he was working on at this time. And he'd lean them up against the wall and he'd kind of go around, like, look at this one and go like, OK, here's something I want to do that one. Uh -huh. and, go to that. and then he'd run over there and go, ooh, ooh, ooh. And he'd, then he'd go back to this one. Yeah. And so sometimes we're in the phase where there are lots of things you need to do. Maybe you're, you know, if you're recording a whole album's worth of stuff, maybe you have a right. bunch of songs that are not finished. You don't necessarily need to uh, shut yourself off and completely narrow focus on one thing or you'll never get it done. You could be in a phase where you admit that it's, that um, 
the the fuel tank that's going to propel you the fastest right right, right. The furthest right so, now is is yeah. the one that you you know that has the most so fuel i totally right get now. that i totally get that i think that is absolutely valid i love the basquiat reference because in that reference you have eight canvases lined up that are equally available to you that you could be putting your attention on depending on where the energy flows where the life force flows right. through you right they say another thing about ideas they say it comes to you and if you don't grab it it's going to go to somebody else right and so right. so i totally get that and that's valid however i want to call you back to the i gotta finish i gotta finish piece right. because what happens with procrastination especially with artists because what we care about most is the thing that's scariest for us to actually ship right or deliver or show or be visible is if you give yourself that uh, <clears throat> that out of well this feels like something I want to work on right now and not that and we just continually go to that easier thing or that low-hanging fruit or that distraction. Like I joke about people would rather clean toilets than write, right? It's like, it's not like you want to clean the damn toilet. It's just that I really don't want to sit down and do that thing, so I'll do fucking anything else. And so when you're in the I got to finish, I got to finish, That's I love that you brought up this, well, it's just as valid to kind of go here and go here and go here and grab the idea when it comes to you and run with it. What has you say, nope, got to sit and finish, not right. Okay, so I was giving a two-part answer. So I yep. had to kind of give the, the devil's advocate side first to say, like, you might not be in a phase where you need to say no to absolutely everything. You might be in a more open phase where you can jump into the ideas. But otherwise, um, if you have one thing that's really pushing you to finish it and you need to finish it, um, to answer your question, what I do about those little ideas that come up, it's like I quickly jot them down in like, I was going to say a minute or less, but it's really more like 10 seconds. I'll like okay. write down six words that remind me of this idea in a folder that I keep. That's like, you know, ideas basically. Write down um, six words in 10 seconds. I love it. Yeah. And I just kind of like, it's just because that, like David Allen talks yeah, about information. Capture. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Perfect. which is, you know, I read getting things done. It's a little bit like that. It's kind of like, Keep your phone, just write it down somewhere so it's out of your head mm -hmm. and come back to it later. Mm -hmm. And I do come back to those ideas when it's like, okay, I finished one piece. Now I'm like, hmm, what should I write next? And I open up my folder of ideas. But yes, there are times in life like I am in right now where <laughs> I have to say no to absolutely everything else because I've got this thing that is like years overdue mm. and yes, the other things are appealing, but here's my key phrase for you yeah. is I always have to remind myself of the difference between what I want now versus what I want most. Ooh, I absolutely love that. Thank <laughs> you. The difference between what I want now and what I want most. Oh, that is so. so this comes up every day when I'll be sitting here working on something and I'll go, ooh, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, you know, it would be really nice. And I'm like, oh, stop, stop. No. Like, no, that's what I want now. What do I want most? I want to finish my fucking book. <laughs> like, what do I want most? So that, that idea always keeps coming back to me. Like, hmm. Everything else can wait. Yes, I do want everything else. If I, you have a list of what I want, it's hundreds long. But the number one, I, you have to know what is your number one thing that would be such a big damn relief if you would just finish it 
And you just have to remind yourself of that every five minutes if that's what it takes. Okay, so here's where I have to ask you. I mean, you're obviously like one of the most prolific people that I've ever known of, never mind known personally, in all these different genres and industries. So I don't even know if you've been plagued by this, but I love to ask this question because the people who seem never to suffer this particular indignity or flaw always are like, oh, totally, all day long I do that. So as you say this, the difference between what I want now and what I want most especially when you use the phrases that, you know, my perfectionists and I always have. It's like, I need to do this. I have to do this. This has been waiting for years for me to do this. And, of course, that sounds like a really nice driver to get clarity and urgency. Absolutely do this. And I found over and over again that, like, the shortest death knell for anything getting done is hearing the words, I need to or I have to. As soon as oh, it's no. I need to, I fucking won't, right? It's like whatever it is, resistance, distraction, squirrels, whatever it is. So when you when you have had, I just want to ask at any point in your lengthy career as a, as a creator, a maker, a builder, have you had that, that knowledge? This has waited for years. And rather than going, all right, well, this is what I want most versus what I want now. So I'm going to sit my ass in the chair and write, or I'm going to make that phone call. Have you just gone, oh, it's too scary, or I can't, or it feels like it's too much, or I can't. Okay, and then I have two real answers for you. Thank you. I this love is two different. There's a fork in the road here. There's one question that can go two ways. So okay. the first most direct answer is that, no, the the I need to and I must. That really does work well for me. It does. Um, great. But. I don't enjoy it. I think I have this work ethic that says um, I'll do what I what needs to be done, even if I don't want to. And I know with creative work, we think, no, no, man, the muse, if the muse isn't there. But no, I, I actually really love this metaphor that inspiration, like any good romantic partner, um, will never come all the way to you. You have to go meet her halfway. Mm. <laughs> so, in, I mean, we've heard variations of this, but that's right. the one I like. It's that yeah, yeah. whenever I'm sitting here feeling completely unmotivated, I remind myself of this almost visual metaphor, like, right. you know, gorgeous inspiration is, is over that hill sure. and I have to start walking halfway and then she'll come to meet me. That it's a lovely <laughs> thought, actually, because it's like it gives you hope mm -hmm. without accommodating laziness or fear. Right. And so right? the big idea, it's like, okay, I don't want to do this, but yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. And do you yeah. want to know? So, so I need you to know that, that the way I get things done that need to be done is I literally scream and curse. Like, I'm like, ah, fuck this book. Fuck this book. I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. And I really don't. And I, but I say that as I'm opening up the file and getting ready to type. <laughs> here's, here's how I go to the gym. Yes. Three Thank times you. a week. I say like, God, I really don't want to go to the gym today. Fuck the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't need to go to the gym. But I say this while I'm grabbing my shoes and walking out the door. And I curse it the entire way there. Yes, yes. And then I get yeah. there and I'm like, okay, well, I, fuck you, Jim. Here I am. So I don't enjoy it, but I know I need to do it. So yeah. need works for me. Yeah. Good. Got it. So, so need to enhance. Go ahead. Yeah. Remember, remember the two-part answer? Yes, go, go, go. Okay. So there's a, also a valid uh, answer for this. It's completely different. Go. And that is, 
that actions reveal your real values, not your words, your actions. And so if you've been saying for a long time that you want to do something, mm-hmm. but you're not doing it, mm-hmm. I'd say you don't actually want to do it. That no matter what you say, your actions reveal your real values. Mm. So I got called on this by somebody because when I sold CD Baby in 2008, I announced my next business, which was going to be called Muckwork. I remember and that. I, I w- thank you. Totally <laughs> I was remember excited that. about Muckwork. I spent a few months working towards Muckwork, and then I paused to go do other things. And I've been, that was 2008, 12 years ago. And I have been talking about Muckwork ever since. And about a year ago, I was telling a good friend of mine, like, I really want to do Muckwork. I really want to finish Muckwork. And he said, no, you don't. I said, the hell I don't. I'm telling you I do. But you can't tell me I don't. I goes, yes, I can. I said, no, I'm telling you I want to do it. He said, no, you don't. I said, what do you mean, no, I don't. I'm telling you. I'm not asking you. And he said, no, Derek, I know you well. If you wanted to do muck work, you would have done it by now. It's been 11 years, dude. If, stop saying you want to do it. You clearly don't. And I said, hold on a second. Hold on. I said, what about people that want to quit smoking but haven't yet? And he said, they don't want to bad enough. If they really wanted to quit smoking, they would quit. Mm. Saying you want to quit doesn't mean a damn thing. So like, this is where I want to dig into this question of values and even like have the definition of values so totally hear you and I've been called on that a number of times myself including in personal ways like we have we have perfectionists of all stripes here whether we're dealing with like bodies relationships careers homes and everything right and and at one point when I was about 35 and freaking out about being single or however my relationships were going I was bemoaning to a friend oh my god where's my husband it's like you don't want to be married if you wanted to be married you'd be married I was like oh what? Right. And it was a whole conversation about that. And I realized there was a way in which not that he was right, that I didn't want to be married. I totally freaking wanted to be married, but that my priorities were still to be out there, to be a social butterfly, to be doing unconventional things and and traveling and doing the things that didn't necessarily make space for a committed long-term relationship, much less building a family, right? And so it was not that I didn't want that thing. It's just that I wasn't prepared to make the space for it, to create what I needed to create in my life and in my environment such that I would actually invite that in, invite that person or invite that situation. And so... So so when you say values, right, there was like an ecology question for me. Like this is in the NLP world where we talk about ecology of like what your system will and will not tolerate. And when we have perfectionists who are procrastinating, it's not that they don't want to do the thing or have the thing. It's that something in our system sees a life-threatening situation if we do it. And I'm curious if you have felt that in yourself of like this conflict of interest, essentially, within mm-hmm. yourself of like, I do want that. I really do want that. It's not like I don't desire it. But when you say I don't want it bad enough or it's reflecting my values that I'm not, what are we really talking about when there's like a real desire? Like, I believe you. You wanted to do muck work. So what is it really that has had you not do it? Because I think you want something else more 
Yes. What is that thing? Or do you want it more or is it just something that's kind of like automated in your life? Like it's always been that way or it's the pain, you know, or the devil, you know, as opposed to the devil, you don't know or more comfortable right. there, or more familiar there. Yeah, it could be that. But I think that like somebody would say, yes, I want to be famous, but <laughs> but maybe they actually like the tranquility of anonymity more mm-hmm. that I often think about, like at any given time, there's, uh, in my list of wants, there are things that hold positions number two, three, six, seven, and I really do want those things, but I want something else more. So I'll tell you my real example right now. I moved to Europe uh, a year ago next week, um, thinking that I was going to be adventuring Every week, I was going to be going to some new place. I was going to be meeting a ton of people. It's, and I really do want that. I really do want to go explore. Mm-hmm. But I want to finish this book more. So in my case right now, I'm doing the opposite, where yeah. I'm denying myself all of these wonderful, entertaining distractions. And I sit right here in this little cabin in front of the fire. Um, <laughs> I haven't even left the house today. I woke up at 6 a.m. and I started writing and I kept writing until my alarm went off eight minutes before our interview. And this is all I do. And so I've got, you know, friends in Dublin or Munich or whatever. They're just saying, hey, man, when are you going to come visit? You've been here a year. I'm like, when I finish my book, I'm just saying no to everything. So, but they say, but I thought you wanted to explore. And it's like, yes, I really do want to explore on my list of needs and wants. That really is right here at number two. But number one is finishing my book. So I think it's the same with almost anything. So to finish the story I said two minutes ago of I want to do muck work, my friend said, I know you kind of want to do muck work, but I think you like your current quiet life more. Once you start muck work, you've got paying customers in a service business that you're going to be on the hook and responsible for. I think you are really enjoying your current life of no responsibility and you like this more. Yes, you want to do muck work but you don't want to do it more. Yes. So interesting because of what it will bring, what it will mean. And so I get like, I can feel in your energy, the clarity of, yep, that's how it is. And I'm good with that. And I think that something would be so useful for our audience is to actually see where do you fall on that scale? Like if you can really take a look and say, okay, I want this. My whole psyche has been oriented towards this, this, this. And my daily experience has been, I want this, but I want this, but this is getting in the way. I want this, but people, blah, blah, blah. I want this, but right. And here's my experience. And so what if you could actually say, I want this and I must want something more that this isn't happening. What is that thing? And to be able to be honest, right? Like, is it that, like, I remember when I started the business before the business that I, that I started now and ultimately was very successful with that. But I went through a whole bunch of doing stuff, like where I was doing things, but that wasn't the same as getting things done. And when I hit the actual threshold of like, I was about to have like team and customers and things that where I was now going to be responsible, just as you said about muck work. I remember that even though I had been supposedly working really hard on getting there for months at the moment that it was about to happen, I had this sort of breathless uh uh-oh feeling of like, oh, shit just got real. This is the door I can't walk back through. Am I really going to do this? 
right? And it's like, I think we sort of hold ourselves at bay so much of the time, especially perfectionists, where it's like, if I can't do everything, I won't do anything. If I can't do it perfectly, I won't do it all. If it's not fully realized, like, I already know what it's going to be when I'm finished, I won't take the first step. And that we hold ourselves with this imagined, when I do it, you know, the life will be great, and I'll feel good, and I'll have self-respect and satisfaction. But we don't even get to the first stage of that breathless threshold or we don't even get honest like I want this more because we're holding ourselves back with like excuses or being out of effect of what's around us so I really appreciate the clarity you just gave to that decision and I hope that everyone who's listening will take whatever it is that you're that you're wanting to do and not doing and really ask that question like what do I want more than this because the fact that I'm doing this, not doing this, is clearly a flag of some sort. It's not just the weather sucked and so I didn't get to write today. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget, don't forget that you can change the way you feel. I think it's almost like a, a little truism. People go, well, you know, can't help the way you feel, but you mm. can. Yeah. You, I mean, you know, you talk about NLP, like you can stack up in your mind. Right a bunch of reasons and emotions behind what you want. You can see it clearly. You can write about it more. You can, yes. whatever, make that vision clearer and stronger that you want to pursue and take the one that you want to avoid and make it smaller and dimmer. Or think about what's the ultimate outcome if I keep doing this avoiding yeah. uh, technique? Where does that get me in 30 years? What is my life going to look like in 40 years when I never did Okay, so one of these, this is going to bring us right into the inner critic, which is what I want to talk about next. But when you say you can change how you feel. So one of the things that I personally experience and that my tribe experiences is by thinking about like the downside, the recrimination, the regret, the how is this going to feel in 30 years, all that does is just pile on the shit show and it does not move us into action. But I agree with you, you can change how you feel and having that like that state change, right? This, the, the change of state from, oh, everything sucks, I can't, I'm unworthy, to, woohoo, I'm inspired and motivated, bling, right? There are things that we can do that are positively motivated as opposed to negatively motivated, right? So if, so if, if a perfectionist or a people pleaser or approval addict, control freak is going to be super thrown off base by like, rumination and regret. If I fast forward 30 years and I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be miserably unhappy. That does not move me into action. But a positive state change, like now I suddenly feel good, will move me into action. What are the things that you do to create a state change for yourself as quickly as possible? Um, I don't know. I don't focus on quick, but I mean, the I, I want okay. it to be deep, not quick. Deep, um, not quick. Thank you. So... I just journal a lot. I mean, that's my personal thing. I, I write one to three hours a day, sometimes more if I'm going through something in my journal. I ask myself all kinds of questions, and then I answer the questions, and then I question my answers to, to ask, like, <laughs> is that true? What if that were false? I'm saying that's true because that's my first reaction. Is that truly what I want? Like, I just, you know, I dive into the journal. So, I've, I love ask myself questions and question my answers. Yeah, like, it's such a fun lot. process. That's um, so great. So um, when I've had to change my mind about something, um, if a life situation has come up where something's kind of inevitable and instead of changing the world, I need to change my reaction to it, um, I'll sit there in my journal for hours, sometimes days, just writing, kind of saying, okay, well, what's 
what's great about this? You know, this, this terrible situation. What could be great about this? And, you know, of course, the first reaction is <laughs> nothing. It's just terrible. <laughs> like, okay, well, keep asking. What could be great? The about above it? under cursing and screaming. <laughs> right. And I'll just keep and I'll just and I'll finally like come up with some stuff. And this actually I'm, I'm not going to do details, but um, just a few months ago, a big giant life situation came up that I was really upset about. And yeah, it probably took six or seven hours of writing in my journal till I really stacked up enough reasons where it's like by the time I closed that text file for the day, I was like, I'm kind of excited about this now. Mm, you know, I was wow. miserable this morning and now I'm actually kind of psyched. So well, I just, I, I talk my way through it. But, but you talk your way through it in a particular way. You just said something really important, which is instead of changing the world, I need to change my reaction to it, right? So much of the time we're looking at what we can control or what needs to happen out there, right? How that needs to be different out there. It's much, I love that you said deep, not quick, too. I'm it's like, super like, fast, fast, fast. You're like, no, no, deep, <laughs> not quick. <laughs> But, but taking responsibility for that, right? It's like, it's, we can get real panicky perfectionists when it's like, I can't make anything change out there. I can't control anything or anyone out there. We get super panicky about it. But you're bringing a beautiful sense of, of peace to it, right? And excitement and hope. Like that thing that you just thought was like unequivocally shitty, irretrievably awful, right? No, actually, and maybe you write for six hours, maybe somebody who doesn't journal a lot will actually have an epiphany after 15 minutes, who knows? But mm -hmm. to take the perspective of, I can't change it out there, so instead of changing the world, I'm going to change my reaction to it, and then work with that. Okay, what is my current shitty, horrible reaction? What is my cursing and screaming while I'm writing about it? And then how else might I look at it? What's good about this? Where else yeah. could I go with this? And play the what if game, not just in what if the sky falls down, but like what if something else is possible that I would actually like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really, I love that. I did not know you write that many hours a day. That's nice. nice. I need, when um, I need to. <laughs> I, and I, well, and I can clearly see how you access some really important, valuable places from that. All right, so let's get into this inner critic because some of us I know are listening to this going, oh my God, my journal might explode if I try to write that, and my inner critic is really bitchy and mean. So you have something, uh, I don't remember if this is a book, an article, a, a wing of your business, I don't remember, but you have a hell yeah or no point of view that I want to bring to the perspective of dealing with our inner critic, quieting or wrangling our inner critic, because this is a constant dialogue between me and me, me and my tribe, how to tell the voice of intuition from the voice of the inner critic. And when you say hell yeah or no, you're talking about definitive decision making, real clear answers. And for a lot of us, those answers do not come easily at all, much less clearly. So I would love to hear how you access. First of all, tell us a little bit about hell yeah or no, and then tell us how you actually access that yes or no answer in yourself. Okay. Hell yeah or no is a, a, a rule of thumb when you're feeling overwhelmed with options. Mm -hmm. So I think most of us say a mild yes to too many things. And because of that, we don't have any space left in our life to tap into when we come across the occasional rare hell yeah kind of thing. Mm. So what I, when I was drowning in opportunities um, shortly after selling my company, I, I came up with this rule that 
from now on, I'm, I'm raising the bar from here, like all the way to the very top, like to the 99%. From now on, if I'm feeling anything less than like, oh, hell yeah, that would be amazing. And I'm just going to say no to everything. Even if it means I'm sitting here doing nothing because I've said no to everyone, that's actually a good thing because that means I've got space so that when that occasional hell yeah thing comes up, I actually have the time to throw myself into it completely. Mm, mm, that's that's that, a big idea. So, that, that is really... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I keep interrupting you. Don't be surprised. Like, that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fasc- I know we're running out of time, but I'm fascinated with this idea of letting go of goals. I think we... I think it's... Fabulous. Because, I think it's become conventional wisdom that once you set a goal... Uh-huh. that you have to see it through to the end. But I think most of us have too many goals. Mm. And we would actually do better to get rid of almost all of them, to just say, yeah, that dream of being a great drummer someday? No, um, mm-hmm. it's never good. That dream of visiting <laughs> some, this yeah. place someday? No, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But the dream of learning Japanese? That's never going to happen. Mm. And there's this freeing thing. I mean, it's a little bit of a mourning. You know, you feel like, oh, would have yeah. been nice to be fluent in Mandarin, but like, <laughs> no, it's not going to, I'm letting go of that goal. It comes back to two of the things that we were talking about for number one, the, I need to, I have to without the wherewithal, without actually putting the legs under it to go there, it just drains and depletes the energy and it yeah. clutters up the space. Just like you're saying. So you don't actually yeah. have the bandwidth, the room, the nothingness, the presence to see the hell. Yeah. So it's the, I need to, I have to the business of like, actually drop that, drop the pretense of that, drop the, drop the, I need it to look good. Like I got 30 important things on my to-do list and I'm not fucking doing any mm-hmm. of them drop it right so the I need to I have to piece that just clutters the space and takes up energy and the other piece of like what's more important what do I really want and 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 especially this like so those of us who have to like earn our right to exist by doing and being busy a hundred hours a day this I mean I could literally feel the breath going (laughs) out of me as you're like it's better that I sit and do nothing as I say no to anything that is not the hell yeah, so that in that space, I can recognize the hell yeah. We fear that space. That's the vacuum nature abhors and the perfectionist nature. We fear that space, but you're actually putting some value, speaking of values, you're putting some value on that space as like like a gestation. It's like a womb, right? It's like a womb for, for ideas, for like an incubator, for the thing that wants to come through to come through like the super delicate orchid instead of like a whole shit ton of dandelions that you don't care about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you need space. I mean, I, every now and then people say, Oh, I'm sure you're really busy. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not busy. <laughs> and they're always taken aback by that. I'm like, no, busy implies like out of control. I'm like, no, I'm, I said no to almost everything. Oh, I'm writing down that. Busy implies out of control. I'm like, no, so, I'm in control of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lo- oh, I love that. Busy implies out of control. Oh, I like that a lot. Oh, I'm play with that a little. I know we're, we're like almost out of time, but that that's so interesting, right? Like it almost takes, it takes us out of the driver's seat in a way that's comfortable because then we don't have to take responsibility for how right. it is. It's just like happening right. to us. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, people love, yeah, oh, I actually never thought about that angle. Yeah, people like saying they're busy because they act like it's something that's happening to them. Yes. Oh, I'm, ju I'm just drowning in stuff. To me, oh, that's, that's like, swamp. oh, okay. That's just what So you're not in control. So you're powerless. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm in control. I've said no to everything. Therefore. Yes. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I love that. And so with the, so to come back to the letting go of goals, it's like, again, the, the two-sided piece, right? Right now you have a goal of finishing a book, and that goal matters to you. So you're going to be in the space of what it takes to accomplish the goal. When you're yeah. talking about letting go of goals, you're not talking about giving up on things that really matter to you. You're talking about grieving what you're not actually ever going to do and being honest and responsible about that so you can make the space for the things that you actually want to do. You can yeah. actually say, "I'm. This is what I own in and my life. I own this." It could mental space. Like there could be an opportunity that comes to you next week. Yeah. That if in your head your self identity says, "I'm still going to learn to play trumpet, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to that, and I'm going to run a marathon," then when a new opportunity comes to you, you might refuse something that you should accept. Because in your head, you're like, no, 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 my future is cluttered. <laughs> my future yes. is full. Yes. It's like, but instead, if, if you, here, when in doubt, let go of every single goal you can. And there will be one or maybe two that won't let you let go of them. Yes. You know, so try what to let go let of all of them. Let you let go. Yeah. One or two that. will come back. Yeah. And so that's, and, and that's what it is. I, I actually not only want to, but I need to learn Portuguese because in two years I'm applying for Portugal citizenship. Oh, so yeah. I actually have to learn Portuguese and I want to. But even though there's right, literally right there off camera is a Portuguese phrase book. Yeah. Every, I leave it there because I'm like, I'm not going to spend even five minutes on that today because that's five minutes I need to put towards just finishing this book. When yeah. I'm done with this book, then that's, I'll begin Portuguese. That's next, exactly. Like, and and so the last piece that I want, because you're, as I said, you're so prolific. You've done so much work. There's so much that we could talk about and how you, what you choose to do, how you get it done. I think we've covered some really beautiful ground today. But just before we leave this question of like the goals that matter, the goal, you know, how you're prioritizing and, and how to let go, as we consider those goals that won't let you let go of them, but still seem like impossible faraway dreams. You know, one of the things that I talk about all the time is taking just that first step or write for 10 minutes a day. I have a client right now that I'm mm -hmm. thinking of that like his whole life is a super controlled buttoned up. He's got a job with the military. He's got a ton of family stuff going on, very regimented, conventional, on the grid, lots of responsibility kind of stuff. What he really wants to do is be a comic book writer, right? And so like it, you could make the no, argument. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough he, he does okay sorry, sorry. fair enough okay good so let me ask you if i if i say you can start you don't have to upend your whole life to make your way there but mm. you do need to start writing every day is yeah. that fair is that what would you add to that or change about that oh yeah no that's that's true the um actually Seth Godin's podcast um, had a great bit about this. Uh, we're talking now at the end of January 2020. I think this was about one month ago in his archives going back to um, November, December 2019. I'm sorry, I don't remember. But his point was, uh, it was a great, great point. I think it was in the uh, listener asked him a question of how do you 
write, how do you post an article to your blog every day and record this amazing podcast every week? And he said, um, he gave this example. He said, to me, this is the unbreakable promise. Everything else goes around this promise. Like we all have this thing, whether it's like I shower every day, no matter what, or I sleep every day, no matter what. He said, you find time to do that because you know, it's your top priority. Yeah. Other things will have to fit themselves around the fact that you need to shower. What's you don't even question it. He said, that's the way I am with my writing. He said, everything yeah. else has to fit around this one thing. Yeah. So, um, which relates to that, your, your third question about how do you finally get it done? Yeah. Um, to me, I, I'm actually not good with distractions, despite everything else I said here. I'm the kind of guy like, I don't keep any sugar in the house because if it was here, I would eat it. Um. So, <laughs> so what I do when I need to finish something is I literally go off, I go over to the, um, the broadband modem. I literally unplug it from the wall. I cut off the internet. I turn off my phone. I actually kind of miss the day when they used to have the removable batteries because I'd actually remove the battery ah! to keep myself from, in, from impulsively turning it on. Good God. And um, <laughs> I would just go, I would cut off every option. Okay. So it's like, okay. okay. And every now and then I find myself compulsively like grabbing for the phone. I'm like, it's off. Yeah. And it's off. Like, so create, okay, I mean, right, that's, that's that's work good. ethic. That's like savvy environment creation. That's like mm-hmm. that's really great stuff. Knowing yourself and being able to line up your surroundings, both you know your your environment internal and external, to match your priorities. So you're not putting those bright shiny objects and squirrels and sugar in front of you. Makes right. a huge difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So taking those steps, being ruthless. I call it being ruthless with your attention. Being yes. ruthless your attention nice one right yeah. to be able to actually place because that's the only thing we can control as much as it sucks to admit that and realize it and walk through life like this the truth is that we can only control the quality of our attention and where we place that attention and that's it that's all we can do yeah. so you're talking about some really really high level attention management which does a lot to explain how you've gotten all of these things done <laughs> Derek, I love yet. talking to you. I could just do this all day long. Thank you so, so, so much for doing this. Thank Any you, final words for our audience? I know that they're really going to want a lot more from you. So please tell, <laughs> tell the people who want more of you what to do next. I mean, the, the reason I do these interviews, as you can see, I'm not here pitching or selling anything. I really just like meeting people. So uh, if you go to Sivers.org, my email address is in big font there and uh, introduce yourself. You don't even have to make up a question to ask me. If you have a question, ask it, but I reply to every single email. You do. So, um, you do. And I have emailed you so many times over the years with different things, different questions, sometimes a pitch here or there. And you've yeah. always responded. You've always been incredibly eloquent and generous and genuine and real. And I absolutely and now you know that. why, because I'm not busy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God bless you. All right. Thank you so much, Derek. What a treat. What a pleasure. Everybody, this has been Derek Sivers. I'm your host, Deborah Hurwitz. Come back soon for our next session of Productivity for Perfectionists. Bye.